Hello and welcome back to the Guns on Pegs podcast. It's episode six. Thanks again for joining us. And before we go any further, I need to say a special thank you to Robert Plosky, who emailed in with a very good tip for getting rid of the geese that I mentioned uh, in the last episode. I'm pleased to say that it worked and I'm actually getting some sleep now. We felt bad about not having a special guest last time, so we've lined up something a bit special for you for this episode. You'll find out about that in a second, but first here's a little clue for you. I have zero caps for England. I'm just going to leave that there for you to ponder. Chris, how many caps have you got? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've also got none, obviously. (laughs) Frank, any caps? No, I've also never been an editor of a magazine either, or... (laughs) the brand director for one of the best clothing companies in the shooting world. Chris, you better tell us about our, well, one of our guests. I'll, uh, I'll go for the brand director. So delighted to welcome a really good friend of ours for a long time in, in our world, Marcus Janssen. Uh, Marcus is head of country bands at a company called Bradshaw Taylor, who may not be you may not be familiar with, but they represent two of the most famous brands in the shooting world, Shuffle and Le Chameau. So, uh, in charge of quite an interesting project, Marcus. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, good to be talking to you all. And Frank, do you want to tell us about our second guest? Our other guest is a, well, compared to the three of us at Guns on Pegs, a sporting superstar, and has 173 caps for Leicester Tigers, 40 caps for England, and five British Lion caps. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah, spot on. Now, didn't I? Thanks for thanks for having us. Thanks for giving me another excuse to hide from my kids past uh, the end of work. So I'm actually uh, very grateful to be here. <laughs> Tom Croft, the England and Lions legend and friend of Guns on Peg. Not sure about legend. <laughs> no, I know. All around good guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, bloke that we loved having a pint with. So, so did you uh, did you guys watch the watch the World Cup final last year together? Uh, we didn't actually. We didn't. I can't. Well, I can't put up with Marx's uh, whiny Safgrin tone at the best of times. So uh, <laughs> during the World Cup final, it was uh, it was one else. A few of my mates were obviously playing over there, so I sort of was fairly tense. I had my uh, youngest boy Hamish jumping on my head halfway through, wanting to play Lego. So having Marcus jumping on my head, wanting to play Lego as well, would have been uh, <laughs> would have been a bit of a nightmare. So. Uh, Thankfully, we were apart. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I texted him a lot during the game and didn't get any replies after about 20 minutes, which filled me with great glee. I'm just a good sportsman, whereas uh, others aren't. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I thought with Marcus here, we weren't going to mention the World Cup final. <laughs> he, he would have mentioned <laughs> it. <laughs> he would have mentioned it. <laughs> I thought I'd get it out really early on so it doesn't have to be mentioned again. It's generally his biggest topic of conversation because most things he talks about are fairly dull. So. <laughs> Did I hear somewhere that uh, you guys were off to South Africa next summer for the Lions tour? That is the plan, yeah. So we're hoping to actually host a group of guys uh, on a Lions rugby and bird shooting trip uh, together. That is the plan. But obviously with coronavirus, uh, the Lions tour is a little bit up in the air at the moment. So it's kind of... Uh, throwing a spanner in the works with our plans. Um, we have an awesome itinerary planned and we're hoping it can still go ahead. But at the moment, they haven't confirmed whether the, the tour is going to be delayed to later on in the year. Really hoping it isn't because it happens to fall at the very best time for, for rock pigeons uh, in the free state. So the plan was to go to the second test in Cape Town, to congregate in Cape Town, have a few beers, um, and then 
basically make our way to Johannesburg over the following week, um, obviously stopping off in a couple of areas to enjoy some shooting. Wow. Uh, so we can keep fingers crossed that um, we can still go ahead. That sounds absolutely unreal. Uh, very jealous. So yeah, just have to dream and assume that everything will go according to plan so that you can get excited about it. I'm pretty sure we'll make something work, regardless of when it is. Um, it'd just be great to, to catch the rock pigeons at that kind of peak time. Um, and the best way to shoot them is, is flying them in over sunflowers uh, in the free state, in my opinion. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just kind of prime time for that. So just hope it doesn't, it doesn't get delayed too much. Are you going to be doing anything else while you're out there? Oh yeah, for sure. So the plan is to, uh, to stop off uh, with some very good friends of ours who actually will be hosting us in the Stormberg Mountains in the Eastern Cape, uh, which is a phenomenal area for uh, walked up Greywing Franklin, which is arguably South Africa's closest thing to, to, to grass in the way that they behave. You walk them up over pointers, uh, they only live at a particular altitude, you know, above a particular altitude. So it's quite hard, hard going. You'll be fairly fit to do them, but they, they fly phenomenally well. And it's incredibly exciting. The lodge that we'll be staying at in the Eastern Cape is just amazing. Uh, the hospitality is just you know, off the charts. And then in the evenings, you, you um, fly duck and teal into ponds on the tops of these mountains in the most spectacular setting. So it's, um, that, that's, that's the plan. Stop off from the Stormberg Mountains, do two days of growing and, and duck and teal flighting, and then um, make our way to the free state for two to three days of, of flighted rock pigeon shooting with the option to shoot some, some flighted geese in the mornings. You can understand why I'm, uh, I've chosen to do this trip with Marcus, because if I was up <laughs> in question, it would be, what, what, what's your plan? Well, we're going to watch some rugby, we're going to drink some beers, and uh, then we might shoot, 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 shoot some things that fly. Um, yeah, a far more eloquent friend will uh, obviously sell the tickets, and I'll just be there <laughs> Oh, I'm so jealous, Marcus. I remember you showing me the photos of that when you went a couple of years back, and it does look absolutely incredible. Were you subjected to the uh, slideshow as well? <laughs> yeah, it, it went on for hours, um, but no, no, some of them were pretty good. But are you still taking bookings for that, or are you guys? Uh, well, the thing is, we can't confirm bookings until we've got the, you know, until we can actually guarantee that we can put the itinerary together. So we can't finalise the itinerary until we know. The, uh, the the rugby day. So it's a little bit up in the air, but we've got a lot of people kind of teed up who are very keen to come along. Um, I'm pretty confident that um, you know the places will go quite quickly once we've got it all finalised. I mean, it will be it will be an epic trip. It's with you know the guys who are hosting us, Bird uh, Hunters Africa, are absolutely brilliant at what they do, and they have access to literally the very best bird shooting in South Africa. So kind of the quality of sport is almost guaranteed. Obviously, it'll be quite disappointing for the, you know, most of the, the guys who are going to be shooting with us are going to be English. And obviously, the rugby side is going to be quite tough for them. <laughs> Listen to it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not even going to have a response. Tom, I have to confess, um, I'm, not really, I'm not really a rugby expert. I didn't play very much as a kid. I was the wrong sort of build for it. And, you know, as a, te- as a young boy, I was always stuck out on the wing freezing my ass off and then the only time the ball ever came to me is when everybody inside me had run out of options and then I got sat on by a big guy <laughs> and it never really I never really fell in love with it I really enjoy watching it now but have you got predictions are you do are you brave enough to make predictions about that Lions tour um it's, it's it is a tough one it's uh obviously I was very very lucky to be down in South Africa in 2009 with the Lions then and uh I played in Australia in 2013, and I did find Austra- uh, South Africa 
a hostile place. It's tough. It's intimidating. Uh, the South Africans play one way, although to be fair, in the World Cup, they did sort of show that expanse and that ability to play from everywhere. So you, I, you predict 2-1. It will go down to the final third test. And uh, I do think that with a, a big English contingency who will be well aware of what the uh, South Africans can do, mixed in with... Uh, you know, the, the Irish, the Welsh and the token Scots that normally go to uh, to cut the line. <laughs> but, uh, they should have the better of them. To be fair, it was gutting for English boys not to win the World Cup, but it sets up the lines to be an amazing trip. Um, and I, I always said after 09 that when they're back in South Africa, I'll go regardless of whether I'm a supporter, uh, freeloader or, as I say, come along with Marcus and uh, we can run this trip and hopefully uh, have, some, uh, have some good times and uh, hopefully see some historic moments happen on the pitch. And try not to fall out. <laughs> now, chaps, obviously a big part of a rugby tour, if you're not playing, and something that maybe you'll be able to do a bit of this time round, Tom, is the drinking. So I think it's about time I asked each of you what that is that you're drinking. So, Tom, why don't you go first? Tell us what you've got. Um, mine's a bit of... Uh... Not really because it's got a memory. There's plenty of, uh, well, I'd say there should be plenty of uh, stories linked to drinking, but unfortunately <laughs> they've sort of disappeared somewhere, normally around 11 o'clock of an evening. Uh, we can touch on drinking stories potentially later, but um, I'm actually drinking uh, vodka and a, a, a mixer called Dash Water, which uh, I came across this during lockdown. I was drinking way too much calorific drinks and I saw Dash Water, which is just fizzy water with, it uses wonky fruit. Um, I'm by no way affiliated to Dashwater, but it's just a really tasty, zero calorie. They use all the fruit that's uh, been discarded by supermarkets because it's been it's wonky, it's crushed, it's sort of overripe. Infuse it into fizzy water, and then I infuse it into vodka, and it makes an amazing drink. So uh, it's it, I, I say we can talk about drinking stories if you'd like, but on a Friday afternoon when I'm sitting in what is probably seen as a, a greenhouse sweating my tits <laughs> off with uh, my Southern friend it's actually quite a nice thing to drink I, I can vouch for that I, I finished mine some time ago uh, but it was incredibly refreshing uh, I've now moved on to uh, onto a cold beer an icy cold beer uh, and uh, I would have liked to have said it's South African uh, but unfortunately South Africa don't really make any decent beers um, so the best thing that we have is actually brewed uh, by our North Western neighbours in Namibia, which is an old German colony, and as we know, the Germans know how to make beer. So the Namibians make a beer called Vintok, uh, which is yeah, pretty reasonable. It's pretty good. Uh, perfect on a hot day. Um, it's probably the thing that I most associate with shooting, to be honest with you. You know, after days of rock vision shooting, a bit parched, a bit dry, uh, as the sun's setting, ice cold Vintok Lager, which is really the drink kind of that we would have on safari. You'd either have a gin and tonic or you'd have a nice cold Vintook at the end of the day. A perfect drink for uh, these sweltering conditions we find ourselves in today. Crofty, the dash, the dash water, I just Googled it. It looks amazing. Frank, what are you drinking? I'm representing Suffolk once again with one of my favourite uh, breweries, one of my favourite beers. It's Adnam's Southwold Bitter, classic bitter. If I started on drinking stories on this beer, I would, it, I'd bore everyone very, very quickly. I've probably got about a thousand of them. It is just a classic beer of these parts and I can't sort of recommend it highly enough, really. It's it's brewed in South, uh, Southwold um, on the East Coast, Suffolk. If, everyone, if anyone out there hasn't tried it, get on it. Um, they make a range of epic beers, uh, but this is the classic and probably the best of them all. And Chris, what have you got? A Corona beer. And 
the main reason for choosing Corona is uh, I've bought loads of it because I feel really sorry for them. I think that there's huge connotations with the name uh, because there's a lot of thickies in this world who might think that uh, it's got something to do with coronavirus. So that got me Googling. And because I just wanted to see if my uh, my theory might be true and whether their sales had suffered. And I found a, a survey of beer drinking Americans that had been done recently. And it said that 38% of beer drinking Americans would not buy Corona under any circumstances due to coronavirus fears. Extraordinary. <laughs> Extraordinary. That's amazing. <laughs> and, and 16% of them were confused whether Corona was related to coronavirus. It's just quite unbelievable the other reason for corona and the real love of it came in 2006 at the football world cup in germany uh when corona had a massive sponsorship thing on the go and they had a bus that drove around all of the cities that england were playing in and basically people used to when the promo girls were sort of off trying to give out these caps which we knit loads of when they were off giving out all the caps we uh we used to see if we could get around their back and get onto the bus and steal a whole load of corona and that was the Rugby, uh, the Football World Cup of 2006. Very good. Were you successful, Chris? Oh, yeah. Loads of Corona, loads of caps. Uh, none of the girls. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> Story of our lives. <laughs> George, what are you on? I was feeling a bit sorry for myself this week because this time of year is when I start getting really excited about my annual pilgrimage up to, uh, up to the Spey. And I had my first Father's Day um, as a father this year. Uh, and my my twins gave me a bottle of Speyside whiskey and I was going to drink that today but I thought that whiskey in 27 degree heat or whatever it is wouldn't quite work so I did a bit of googling this morning and I've made myself a whiskey cocktail which I would never normally dream of doing but it's um I mean I say cocktail it's basically whiskey and ginger ale and a bit of orange juice and it's Pretty good, actually. So I've made a jug of it. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of Scottish people out there very angry for you mixing a single malt. And an and Englishman mixing a single malt. It's it's not a single malt. It's uh, blended. It's Monkey Shoulder, which is a blend uh, of three Speyside whiskies. Just about. Mix away. Me. But yeah, you're right. Normally, I wouldn't dream of doing it, and I'd have found something else to drink. But like I say, I'm feeling sorry for the loss of my uh, fishing trip. Where, where, where were you due to go fishing, George? Uh, due to be going to Arndilly. Oh, magic. At least they haven't been catching anything there, George. Oh, Frank. I can't even look, I can't even look at, um, at Fish Pal. It's too depressing. They, they had a 60 fish week last week or the week before. It just makes me feel ill. How many rods, George? It's a seven rod beat. 60 fish, oof. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's pretty tough. Pretty tough. I actually caught my first ever salmon on Upper Andelli. I know it's not the same beat, but it's one one beat up from Andelli. Yeah, it's just lovely around there. Yeah, it's just stunning fly water, isn't it? So, Marcus, you. this uh, this uh, this week can't be too good for uh, the old shuffle coat sales. <laughs> no, mate. No, and Le Chameau Wellies, to be absolutely honest with you. Um, yeah, this is, these, are, these are conditions that we really don't like uh, at Shuffle. But actually, having said that, sales are all right. Um, surprisingly. Um, seem to be okay at the moment uh, on the on the website, but no, uh, we always pray for wet and as wet and cold weather as possible. So yeah, blazing sunshine and thirty four degree heat or whatever it is, uh, not ideal for selling fleece and uh, shooting coats. And so what so what's going on with the company at the moment? What um, what stuff have you got which you haven't been able to really tell anyone about or show anyone at least? Well, it's um, I mean it's been a obviously a hugely disruptive year with coronavirus. Um, it, it's been a tumultuous year, to be absolutely honest with you. I mean, we, we took over 
uh, the ownership of Le Chameau at the end of last year. Uh, and uh, we've been incredibly busy over the last six months, um, basically restructuring the entire company from top to bottom. We, we own outright the factory in Casablanca in Morocco, where the wellies have been produced or handmade since 1949. We've completely closed the factory for five months to completely restructure it. We moved our headquarters from Old Bond Street in London to our headquarters in Oakham. We moved uh, the distribution, the warehousing and distribution of Le Chameau from a third-party warehouse in Northampton to our own warehouse in Grantham. Uh, we moved customer service um, from a third-party uh, customer service centre into our own offices in Oakham. Um, I mean, top to bottom, root and branch, complete restructure of the company. So we've been incredibly busy. And then on top of that, obviously, uh, the closure of the vast majority of our retailers for three months has meant that it has been a very challenging six months. But we've achieved a lot. Um, we're well set up now to really take the brand forward and to get you know, retailers and end consumers really behind the brand again. You know, it, it had been badly run, badly mismanaged in the past. Uh, but we've, we're applying 27 years of running Chauffeur Country in the UK to, to the way that we want to run Le Chameau. Um, and, and retailers, who obviously are, are such an important part of that, are really getting behind us. Um, and, we, and it has all been received with great enthusiasm and, and, and optimism by our retailers, who are, who are excited to get behind what is, let's be honest, uh, an awesome brand. And so, yeah, it's been, from a sales point of view, obviously the last three months, whilst our retailers have, have really struggled through this period, has been tough. There's no kind of beating around the bush. But we're optimistic. Things are improving. Um, you know, non-essential retail opened a couple of weeks ago again. Um, our Scottish retailers open next week, which we're excited about. Um, and bit by bit, the, the, the picture is, is looking more positive. And we're, we're you know, feeling more optimistic now that we're going to have an autumn-winter season. Uh, whereas a couple of months ago, everything was up in the air. It was a huge amount of uncertainty. I mean, you've got two awesome brands there that are probably responsible for the most cliched look and shooting. Uh, <laughs> with the, the, the... Uh, we like to think that the, the nicest look and shooting. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the, the, the Siren Sester uh, University uniform. Uh, but... Uh, everyone wears it for a reason because obviously it's quality stuff and we're we're obviously massive fans here i think you know certainly with the chameau opportunity is a fascinating one because you know you obviously openly admit that the company maybe wasn't run as well as it could have been but what a brand and what a product uh that um that's got obviously with careful management going to be really interesting well, Chris, as a team, we, we couldn't be more excited. When, when the announcement came, you know, that we'd, we'd bought Le Chameau and taken over the running of it, I mean, I, I can't tell you how, you know, exciting and excited the team were. were. It was a kind of almost palpable that we'd taken on our favourite footwear brand. And it's, do you know what? Chauffeur and Le Chameau kind of go together foot in boot. They, you know, go together to, brilliantly. And, um, yeah, it's an exciting. The future looks, you know, really exciting for us. We can't wait to, to get stuck in. We knew that there was a lot of, a lot of work to be done. And um, we, haven't, we haven't been messing around for the last six months. We've um, been very, very busy. We're still in the thick of the restructure. So, Crofty, do you end up with uh, loads of free kit from Marcus then? No, funnily enough, I don't, actually. I'm still waiting. Um, you know, <laughs> I, 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 do, I do so much for him. Um, you know, as, he said, as he said, like obviously, yeah, the link between the two companies is brilliant. Um, it's obviously lucky that that deal with Hunter fell through, mate. So, uh, you know. 
<laughs> um, yeah, but it, uh, from sort of an outsider looking in, um, I'm fairly fairly new into sort of the whole country field sports sort of industry, and you know, Mark obviously knows his stuff and is sort of ideally placed to take you know take the two companies forward. Um, he, he's thought of very highly by the owners, so uh, can't believe I'm being so nice to you. I'm amazed. I'm almost oh, with my chair. I'm, I'm on my third beer. So <laughs> but, uh, but no, so uh, as I say, it's not ideal weather at the moment, but uh, I look forward to my care package arriving when the, when the weather turns. <laughs> Tom, have you managed to, to get the rifle out at all over the last few months or um have you got anything planned for the let's not talk about rifles it's it's actually embarrassing sort of my whole shooting life started off when i was sort of 2021 uh started off field uh deer stalking with uh, a guy called owen beardsmore who's from service uk and got addicted to the, to the sport bought my bought myself a rifle bought myself a sato too and loved it and went out a huge amount and then um, the inevitable well I say inevitable I'm very lucky to have got married you know I haven't been a rugby player I've been a virgin so um, <laughs> and, uh, then, then kids have come along and sort of my opportunity to go and stalk has uh, seems to have diminished but uh, as I said it's my boy's birthday tomorrow he's turning four so I think we're sort of getting to a, a time in their life now where I can hopefully start getting out again there's, there's parcels of, of land around sort of Oxfordshire, Cotswolds, uh, a few around sort of Northamptonshire, so hopefully myself and, and Marcus will be able to get out again. We're both sort of in the thick of, of children. Marcus yeah. probably more so than myself with, with a young girl, Pip, who's uh, amazing. I'm Godfather for, can you believe it? <laughs> what, a terrible, what a terrible decision that was. But, uh, Actually, do you know what, Frank, the last time that Tom and I went stalking together, which I think was probably the last time Tom went stalking, uh, we were sat in a, a high seat together. I expertly called in uh, a muntjac when Tom was up first. Neither of us saw it. I then started to climb down the ladder to go and, uh, I can't remember, relieve myself or something. And I chased a muntjac that was literally directly below the high seat to the way. So the pair of us um, did well that day. Uh, not a f- uh, shot was fired. <laughs> it's about time to get away. Crofty, you'll have to come down when Marcus visits. I'm definitely keen. I need to, uh, I need to get out and zero the rifle. It'd just be nice, honestly, to get some rounds off and uh, I just get sort of yeah, get back into. It, it, it's like a lot of things at the moment. Sort of having left rugby, I sort of don't seem to train a huge amount much anymore. So it's getting into a habit, getting the habit of going sort of training again, getting the habit of going stalking again, and obviously. Uh, fingers crossed shooting season will be uh, reasonably unaffected by the current events and Tom assuming that, that your trip to South Africa goes ahead how do you think you'll get on with the rock pigeons oh terribly to be honest um, <laughs> <laughs> if, if it's if you were saying was it like grouse or is that more yeah, yeah, if, yeah anything, they're a lot like grouse. if it's anything like grouse I will purely be there to uh, top up drinks and uh, <laughs> just make up the numbers but uh, the good, the good, boost everyone's ego the, well the good thing with rock pigeons I think everybody struggles with them to start off with to be able to do even people who who can shoot rock pigeons if you have a bit of a gap and then you know they do take some getting used to but the good thing about them is that you get lots and lots of opportunities you know to, to kind of get your eye in uh, and, and and work them out as such so um, I'm sure I'm sure by the the end of the first morning Tommy will have your eye in and be getting in you know, yeah stuck into them. I mean for me to ask it's uh, as shooting has always been it's always been and same with my rugby it's all about first and 
I remember shooting my first pair of grouse. I think I missed about 20, 30 birds prior to that and, and, and finally got two. So to ask if I was over there and I shot one, I'd be happy. That's what shooting is for me. It's about new experiences, about understanding, you know, different cultures, different types of birds, how they fly. And it's, it's just more about you good, know, good terms of mates. Good times with, with mates you've never met before and, uh, and Marcus. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they'll be mates by the end of the trip, you know that. <laughs> yeah, I think, you, Tom, you sum it up really nicely in that, um, you know, people can get um, hung up, I suppose, on, on their performance, as it were, and, and being able to hit everything when, you know, everybody wants to do well, but ultimately that's not what it's all about, really, is no, it? No, not at all. Um, and obviously my, my automatic sort of focus point to revert back to his rugby and that was all about performance and sort of towards the back end of my career anxiety sort of started to creep in because you're always worried about performance I obviously had a fairly checkered career in terms of injury so you're worried about that and it probably it has taught me that you know when you get these new opportunities or you get a chance to go out shooting is just to enjoy the the day the, the event and you know, picking up a couple of birds is is brilliant. If I shot nothing, oh, yeah, I'd be on, uh, I'd be at death's door drinking myself silly. But uh, as long as yeah, as long as you, as long as you catch a couple, of bit, as as it, as is with rugby, you know, I'd be happy. And uh, well, I made the most of it, isn't it? And yeah. just enjoying it, just no, different experiences. Yeah, exactly that. Seeing as you're the first professional sportsman we've had on, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about any parallels between what you might term sport and hunting and shooting and fishing and so on. Tom, are there any parallels that you can see between them? I spent the majority of my career standing on the wing waiting for the ball to come to me, much, sort of much like yourself. And I suppose being on the end of a line, you're hoping for something might come your way. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, were expe- we were all expecting some sort of sage, kind of like mystical, like, oh, the discipline involved, the, uh, you know, it's all about hard work and perseverance. But no, that, was, that summed it up way better. You've asked the wrong person right there. <laughs> uh, I mean, I suppose, yeah, for myself, you know, I don't get to shoot a, a huge amount, especially when I was playing. You know, you were lucky if you maybe got one day a year in terms of even clay shooting, you, you struggled to get out. Um, I think it's that desire to be good. And if you miss, although, so this contradicts what I said a minute ago, that is about being there, enjoying the day. If I'm in amongst friends who I know well, I've become exceptionally competitive. And if if I can shoot someone's bird, and this is, goes against everything which you guys talk about in terms of etiquette and all that, <laughs> if I can shoot someone's bird three or four pegs down the line before they can get it, that is my day and I'm jumping around for joy <laughs> in a safe manner with a broken gun, obviously. I know you're the same, Marcus, because I, I remember you and I on one of those simulated days at uh, a Royal Berkshire. I remember it well. I, we shared a peg all day. We did. We basically shot none of our own clays. We were basically <laughs> playing zero attention to the clays that were going over our head and spent the entire day trying to shoot clays one, two, maybe even three pegs long. <laughs> I asked the question because I'd noticed there's a lot of professional cricketers, past and present, who are into fishing. And I wondered if there was anything that sort of that the two sports had in common. And I, um, <laughs> I made an, an analogy between bowling spin and trout fishing in, in that they're both about deception. Marcus, you're a fisherman as well. Yeah, that's quite a nice analogy, although I'm not a cricketer. So cricket parlance is slightly lost on me, I've got to be honest with you. I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a 
you know, a part-time cricket supporter. But um, no, rugby is very much the, the only sport that I don't take seriously from a supporter's point Because of you won the World Cup. <laughs> I love, I love, we, we wiped the deck with South Africa in the cricket and Marcus is a part-time supporter. They win the World Cup and that's just what he takes seriously. That's absolutely classic. <laughs> Talking about fishing, Marcus, isn't there some exciting news on the way for one of your brands? Yeah, well, this could. Oh, this is a this is a, a world exclusive that the Guns on Pegs uh, podcast is about to to, to get. Um, indeed, we are. Um, Showful Country is launching a fly fishing range. After years and years of being asked to do it, we over the last two and a half years have been developing uh, a fly fishing range, uh, which will be coming to. Uh, well, it has come to fruition, but will be in retailers from spring summer 21 so it'll be in stores people will be able to buy it and see it from january february uh, 2021 so we're a little way off um we've got the salesman samples in our showroom in oakham and we are exceptionally excited about it and obviously as a passionate fisherman um i've been quite involved in this whole project and uh i'm very very excited to uh to get the product to market that is very exciting. Its launch will probably coincide with the drought or something. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be some spanner in the work. <laughs> almost, almost certainly. But um, no, we, we, we are very excited. And we, we, we think we're the first British company, although we're German-owned, we're British-based, and, and all of our product is designed uh, and sold and marketed from our head offices in Oakham to have really looked at the apparel market uh, the clothing market, the technical fly fishing market in that respect. Uh, and and we are genuinely excited about the products that we bring to market to um, to rival the you know the big American companies that dominate the premium technical fly fishing uh, end of the market. So um, yeah, we, it's a very, very exciting uh, project that is you know in its final stages now. Well, I think on as it were that bombshell, I think um probably time we all uh, got off and enjoyed our Friday evenings. So Tom, Marcus, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to have you on the podcast. To everybody listening, do make sure you subscribe, subscribe to our newsletter, join Guns on Pegs to find your shooting, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. Thanks very much for listening and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>